I want to go first today. You are going first today. It is technically your turn to go first. Let's so. go. Let's go. Yeah. We have to do our so. intro, right? We got to get back. We got to get. got to welcome everybody back, right? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sing Better Sing. I'm Kales. I'm John Michael. It's so nice to be back with y'all uh, learning about baseball and theater. I always want to say Broadway because it's alliterative, but... It's just, it's theater in general. Like, it's all things theater. It's not just Broadway related because there's more to theater than just Broadway. Well, I love alliterations for taglines. So it's like ours would be like where Broadway meets baseball or something like that. Yeah, exactly. That we'll probably do something like that. But yeah. But it is, it is theater in general. But yeah, dude, stick with the alliterations for marketing purposes, you know? (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you mansplaining marketing to me when I've been in that shit for 10 years and that's my career? I'm sorry. I'm just just so excited. I'm I'm learning about it now in my life. So I'm excited. So not trying to mansplain anything. I'm just saying. saying. I will tell you. My personal, personal amateur opinion is stick with the alliterations. Well, welcome to Sing Better Sing, where uh, Broadway meets baseball. And essentially, uh, if you have not been here before, welcome. Um, I'm Kales. My brother is John Michael here, and I have been obsessed with theater ever since I was a kid. And he's been obsessed with baseball. So it has intersected in our lives in different ways, but not to the level of each other one's obsession, for lack of a better word. We've both worked in our respective fields, um, and now it's kind of phased out a little bit of our lives but what do we do with all of this knowledge well we bother our siblings and tell them (laughs) story dumps um, of different various knowledgeable things we have about baseball and broadway so for about half of this podcast you're going to listen to john michael teach me about baseball things and i'll just remark confusedly crazily laugh whatever and then uh, we'll flip the script and i will do the same for john michael but something broadway theater related so i have no idea actually what you've got me in for this time around and that's why i'm incredibly excited yeah i was thinking about it because i was kind of just like i try to like to like let the ideas come to me like i'll do research sometimes but like i kind of know some of the stories so i was like okay well, that's the whole point yeah this actually came up pretty naturally i was actually talking with somebody where i work and they were like talking about this story and i was like Oh my gosh, this is perfect. Like, this is so perfect for the podcast. So, I am pumped. I'm ready. All right. Well, you ready? Bring it on. Okay. So, um, <laughs> all right, Gales. You have to start me off with a did you know, remember? I know. I'm on it. I got it scripted out. I got it scripted out. So, did you know that we just celebrated a major holiday in the game of baseball recently. No, actually, I didn't. Okay. It's a big day. It's a big day in the game of baseball. Okay. Uh, it's called Bobby Bonilla Day. Bo- Bobby Bonilla. Talk about an alliteration. Yes. Bobby Bonilla Day. And yeah. And with the bees, we're sticking with the bees. I know. We're sticking with like the bees it. and we've got I more like alliteration. It. I like it. Okay. The reason that this day is special. Okay. It's celebrated every July 1st. It's special because Bobby Bonier, Bonilla is a player who hasn't played a Major League Baseball game since 2001 and yet still gets paid over a million dollars a year. Okay. Wait. Wait. What? <laughs> what? I'll say it again. Bobby Bonilla has not played a Major League Baseball game since 2001. Okay, and since the year 2011, he has been being paid over one million dollars, and that is going to continue until the year 2035. 
What legal contract bullshit is this? Oh, just wait. Who just sued wait. somebody? No, no. It's, it's a whole can of worms. It's a whole can of worms. Oh, okay. my. So God, diving we in. we could feed so many people with that money. Okay, <laughs> just, sorry. Yes. And yes, he's okay. not doing anything for it. Okay. Well, we don't know what Bobby Boney is doing in his philanthropic efforts in life. It's just he's I'm, getting paid. I'm, I'm just going to say, I just given that what I know about sports figures, athletes, people, and the podcast crime and sports and stuff, probably not a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's not a high trend, um, but you know, I like I said, we don't know. Maybe uh, he has a Bobby Bonilla Foundation. Okay. Oh so. God, he named it after himself, though. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> who, who is this fucker, and why is he getting millions of dollars to do nothing for the next right. ten years? Like I said, every year on July first, Mets fans and really baseball fans. In general oh my God! Wait, this is a Mets thing. It's a New York. This New York is the Mets. New York Mets thing. God, my old boss was a Mets fan and I just felt really bad for him. <laughs> he like it was diet like he did base like fantasy base fantasy baseball. That's a thing, right? Yep. Like drafts of fantasy baseball stuff. Yep, you draft different barely, players and you get points. Yeah, and then, but he you know, was like always a Mets it. fan and I just felt really bad for him. <laughs> yeah, the Mets the Mets have had a tough run of it. They actually are currently still kind of in financial trouble. They had the highest amount of offseason spending and they're currently nine games under 500. So. Okay, I'm sorry. That's because they're paying some loser who hasn't done anything a million dollars <laughs> a year for the next 10 years and have been doing it for the past... Ten, it's 25 years or some shit. Keep going. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Tw- yeah. The terms of the contract, it's actually 24, but we'll get into that more later. The actual check amount, okay, is they pay him every July 1st, $1,193,248.20. Okay. Now, obviously, the question is like some it, loss numbers, like 4, 8, <laughs> 15, 16, 23, 42 bullshit. Like there's some, <laughs> oh God. Okay. Keep going. So, Obviously, everybody's wondering, like, how did this happen, right? How is this guy getting paid not just every me, like in particular yeah, me? Yes, <laughs> yes. But like, how how is he getting paid this much money to not play baseball anymore? Okay. Well, to explain that, we have to learn about a guy named Bernie Madoff. Why do I know that name? Okay, Bernie Madoff was an American financier and former head of the Nasdaq at on Wall Street, New York, New York Stock Exchange. Okay. And he was responsible for running the largest Ponzi scheme in history. Okay, that's how I know him. Yes. Um, he lost $64.8 billion of people. Yeah, that's money. how I know him. <laughs> okay. That's my like so, tr- true crime nerd yes, coming out. Keep yes. going. So for those that don't know, the definition of a Ponzi scheme is a form of fraud in which there's the belief in the success of non-existent enterprise which is fostered by the payment of quick returns to the first primary investors from money invested by later investors. So in layman's terms, it basically means that like you have a financial or an investment broker, which in this situation is Bernie Madoff, whose legal job is to invest people's money into the stock market or other assets like bonds to provide them with a return on their investment, right? But what happens in a Ponzi scheme is, you know, they that this investor tricks people into investing in companies that don't exist so that they can keep the money for themselves, right? And then in order to make sure that the investors aren't catching on to what they're doing, they continue to get new investors and then they take the money from the new investors and they pay the old investors, right? So it, it's literally just a huge lie, a huge scam. So now we ask, okay, how does this relate to Bobby Bonilla and the New York Mets? 
Okay. Did he gets scammed. Tell me he got scammed. Tell me <laughs> not, this fucker got scammed. Not Bobby Bonilla. Not Bobby Bonilla. The Mets. The New York. The New York Mets. <gasps> they, the the owners of the New York Mets. Okay, so the owners of the Mets at the time, they're actually owned by a company, but they, the guys running it was Nelson Doubleday and Fred Wilpon. They were at the time investing money in a burnout, Bernie Madoff account, like thousands of other people, right? From big companies to small, to just individual people, right? Because there was this promise of double digit percentage returns. That, so Bernie made that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Bernie, Bernie Madoff is promising people 10% or more on their returns on their investments. That doesn't exist. Crazy. Which, you know, you would have thought that that would have been a red flag, you know, that like, that's not really typical. And this guy's like, yeah, dude, I can get you 15%. He must've been really charismatic or charismatic. Oh, I'm sure his sales skills were incredible. I mean, incredible. I mean, have you ever seen Wolf of Wall Street? No, I refuse to watch that movie. It has too many F-bombs in it. It's really poor writing. (laughs) I think it's funny, but anyway. I'm sure it's a great, it's a great movie. I mean, I I I've heard it's well done. Yeah, but I just I can't listen to a bunch of white men talk and drop (laughs) F-bombs for that long. It's like two hours and 40 minutes. Go give me a Marvel movie instead. Like, no. (laughs) Hey, man, teach their own, whatever you want to watch. In that, Jordan Belfort is very charismatic, like in that whole movie. It's all about sales, right? How they sell people to do that. So how we're getting around to how this deals with Bobby Bonilla. Well, in the several seasons leading up to the 2000 season, Bonilla was, he was originally really good back in the day, but then he was like constantly injured. And like when he was healthy, he wasn't playing well at all, right? So that's a typical practice is like when players kind of are no longer performing, like, teams will prefer to just not have them on the team and like buy out their contract. Right. And just be like, okay, we'll just yeah. pay you don't play anymore. Like whatever, you know, it's fine. Okay. And so the dog out to pasture. Yeah, exactly. So the Mets decided, right. That they would rather buy out their main of his contract rather than keep him on, on the team. But they did this using what was called a deferred money deal. <gasps> oh no. <laughs> okay. So a deferred money deal is pretty much what it sounds like. The borrower which is AKA the Mets, right? Yeah. Decide to pay back what they owe, which is at that time, $5.9 million to the lender, Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. At a later date with a set interest rate. Oh no. (laughs) Oh no. Okay. So the terms for this particular deal, which were negotiated by Bonilla's agent, Dennis Gilbert, um, and he he ended up becoming a super agent. He was like the agent for Barry Bonds and like, crazy big names like that you're just okay, throwing out more b alliterations <laughs> I, I'm, it's all about the b alliterations today it's all about it today uh barry bonds is like one of the most successful and controversial players in MLB history but anyway um, well, we'll do an episode on him later i don't know who the fuck oh, he is so the steroid era dude i'll do an oh, episode on the right. steroid era dennis gilbert they negotiated that the mets would pay the owed 5.9 million dollars over a span of 24 years at an eight percent interest rate oh my god <laughs> That's like okay. student loan bad. Uh, dude, it's bad. So th- this seems like super ludicrous because, right, instead of paying Bonilla $5.9 million up front, they would yeah. now end up paying him a total of $29.8 million. Who the fuck? Edu- what? Why? <laughs> yeah, why? Exactly. Yeah, so like wh- why, right? You're asking, why the heck would the Mets agree to a deal like this? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Okay, well, the answer is twofold, okay? From the Mets' perspective, the deal made sense because if you look at it from a return on investment standpoint, right, they thought they were getting a 12 to 15% guaranteed return on their investments in the Madoff account. 
Okay. So let's say, yeah. So let's say that they put the $5.9 million that they owed to Bobby Bonilla into a Madoff account in 2000. And then they got the return that they had been promised. Well, by 2011, when they would have to pay Bonilla for the first time, 11 years later, they would have already grown their pot to 16.83 million. If they weren't in the middle of a Ponzi scheme. If they weren't in the middle of a Ponzi scheme. So even with paying off Bonilla every year at 1.19 million, they would wind up with a $49 million profit on the deal. Okay. Wow. So that's one way to look at it. The other perspective is what the Mets actually did, which is that since they're not paying him the 5.9 million in 2000, they're postponing it all the way to 2011, right? They're like, okay, cool. Well, now we have $5.9 million to spend on a free agent, to spend on a player or several players that we could could actually help us win. Oh, my God. So, fun fact, the Mets actually acquired a pitcher named Mike Hampton for the Astros for $5.75 million, And he went 15 and 10 that year and was actually good enough to help the Mets get to the World Series for the first time since 1986. But they actually, didn't win. They did not win. So so what's the point? As I continuously well, am reminded that like when the Rockies made it to the World Series in 2008 and got swept out by the Red Sox, like, fuck, it didn't matter. Everybody's like, nah, doesn't matter. Doesn't count. Yeah. Well, yes. But they did make it and they did make more money because the deeper you go in the playoffs and more tickets you sell and jerseys and TV yeah, time yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. But they didn't win, which good organizations want to win for the sake of winning because that's the, the honor of the sport. Uh, but they didn't do that. Of course, because of the freaking jerk Bernie Madoff, that whole plan was chucked entirely out the window. Oh <laughs> so when Madoff got arrested on December 10th, 2008, Right. And then a few months later, pleaded guilty to 11 federal felonies. Holy fuck. Yeah. And admitted to turning his wealth management business into a massive Ponzi scheme. The Mets lost millions. Their payroll dropped from $140 million in 2011. Okay. And payroll is how much money they can pay players with. That's their budget. Okay. To 90. So $140 million in 2011 to $95 million in 2012. Oh my God. Which is a 32% decrease. Yeah, that's huge. Okay. And then it dropped again by 10% to $85 million in 2014. Oh my gosh. How many Mets players were just like, peace out, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, as the thing, they didn't have money. So if you don't have money, you can't pay your players. You know, your payroll right. is based on upon revenue, right? So like yeah. big market teams like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets, the Cubs, you know, they have higher payrolls because they're making more money versus like the Oakland Athletics, the Tampa Bay Rays. They have smaller the Rockies. <laughs> the Rockies payroll is pretty mid actually. And, you know, we're they not just get it spend it in Rockies. Yeah, they just spend it poorly, <laughs> spend it on their stadium, but they make a lot of money. They, they don't honor the game because they don't care about winning. They just care about money, but whatever. I Small told you I met the Rockies owner run- once, right? Were they nice? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. it shows in his team. So back onto the main storyline, they their payroll dropped like crazy. Right. But the thing is, they still had to legally honor and oblige to their contract with Bobby Bonilla. And that's right, why. Even though. Even though they fucked up. Right. And that's why he will continue to get paid $1,193,248.20 every July 1st until 2035 when he is 72 years old. Oh my (laughs) God. The man doesn't have to work a day in his fucking life ever again. Nope. Nope. That's why it's, it's Bobby Bonilla Day. How is it celebrated? Well, actually, the new Mets owner, (laughs) 
Do are we there, know his name? <laughs> yes, they're kind of like making a joke out of it a little bit. Oh my gosh, yes. Social media needs to lose, like, good, just take it and run with it. Oh, they do. They do. Michele, every yes. July 1st, Twitter just blows up with Bobby Bonilla Day, like making fun of the Mets, like all this stuff, dude. I mean, it's it's freaking Oh my gosh, hilarious. what a PR nightmare. Oh, dude, it's freaking ridiculous. So how's yeah. the new Mets owner? Like, what, what are they okay. doing? Yeah. Yeah. So Steve Cohen, actually, he's a billionaire hedge fund manager. He purchased the team for $2.4 billion in 2020. Why um, does that level of money exist? So going... <laughs> I don't know, but it does. Um, but anyway, he purchased it purchased the team for two point four billion. He said that he's going to start doing like celebrations, like every July first, like having Bobby Bonilla like out to the field to like throw the first pitch and like you know, because like dude, if PR, you gotta own it. You gotta be like, yeah, you have like, to, yeah. Like, what else are you gonna do? Like, you just have. I to started. Be like, yep. You have so. to do. I started watching um, the Ashley Madison affair, which is a documentary on the Ashley Madison website, mm-hmm. and. You know what that is, right? No. Okay. The Ashley Madison website is the website that got hacked a few years ago that had like 32 million followers. And it's the site where people go to have married people go to have affairs. It's like the dating affair website. And then all these people got leaked and stuff. But Mm. they they spend a whole episode talking about Ashley Madison's marketing and how they just like lean into the stereotypes of affairs and dead marriages and all of this stuff. And it just, it's, it is it is morally disgusting if you are a monogamous human who, you know, it's actually I, I think it's disgusting because it also encourages like lying and sneaking around to your partner. Like if you are polyamorous and you're or you have an open marriage and you talk about it and communicate. Sure. Great. Right, your but deal. It's the underhandedness. But it's the underhandedness of it that bothers me. But yeah, I was. But as a marketer, I'm sitting there watching this and I'm like, it's fucking brilliant. Fucking yeah. brilliant. Like what? Well, it takes the power out of it. And so the, exactly. Which is what they're doing here. But if they mm-hmm. celebrate this mistake mm-hmm. and make it a thing of bringing Bobby back out, making the memes, really trying to make it like a fun, stupid little holiday. They're going like to make their money back. You think so? Oh, my gosh. Of course. Do you think in that one day they're not going to make more than like they're going to make? I mean, you do that continually in PR. They'll, they'll make some of it back. I mean, they're going to make some money back on like if they sell Bobby Bonilla jerseys or if they do bobbleheads or if they like selling out the stadium. I mean, wow, yeah. You could have, yeah. I mean, you could definitely make some money off of that for sure. For sure. Damn. Right. Maybe not make $1.19 million in a day. I don't know the figures on that, but like still, you could definitely. Yeah, make something. Devlin makes them back. So I want to close out. So that's pretty much the end of the story. But I do have some fun facts. Yeah, um, no, bring it. Okay. <laughs> so so one of the fun facts. So I'll start with like the one that's like, ah, man, that, that kind of sucks. So there's like one that's like, ah, that kind of sucks. There's one that's like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. And then there's one that is like just super freaking hilarious. So um, okay. I'll do it in. I'll do it in that order. So the first one is the one that kind of sucks is. The Met, so the Mets are going to be paying Bonilla roughly the same amount that they will pay Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil combined, who are two all stars that they have on their team. Like, like oh, two of no. their best players, like they're paying them what combined what they're paying Bobby Bonilla. So that's just like, ah, that's tough. But the, the kind of positive, cool spin on all of this is that. So that guy, Mike Hampton, that they signed mm-hmm. from the Astros, right? With yeah. Bobby Bonilla money, the money that they saved. Well, he pitched for them for one year, okay? Helped him get to the World Series. But then they actually traded him to the Rockies in 2001. Hey, now! 
And because of that, the Mets got the 38th pick in the draft and they used that pick to draft David Wright. And David Wright is like Mr. Met. I mean, he is like one of the most successful, most, he's probably the most popular Met of all time. Like their fan base okay. absolutely loves David Wright, fell in love with him, and he's super successful. So, so kind of cool, like how that all played out. I bet the Rockies kept Mike Hampton for like a year and then <laughs> traded him away because he was too good for anything. Yeah, yeah. If he's too good, we got to get rid of him. I hope you listen to this, Charles. I hope Lizzie's you do. Turning to a roast the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> we la- What's so funny? Eliminations. About- roast the Rockies. We oh my it. god. We're just big. We're we're we are Rockies fans. They are our team, but that's why we're sad because they can't do anything well. Yeah. Keep sad. going. Okay. So the so the funniest thing that I have to end this whole ordeal on is <laughs> that believe it or not. Bobby Bonilla actually has another deferred contract plan with a different team. Okay, who's his agent? Because that agent is making bank, dude. Dennis Gilbert, dog. <laughs> Dennis Gilbert just balling. Just balling. Just a genius. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so this what one is a team. The Baltimore Orioles pay him $500,000 a year for 25 years, and those payments began in 2004. Oh my gosh. This guy never has to work another fucking day in his life because his agent was like, hey, I know how to do this. Like, Yeah, his agent was funny. in the insurance industry and deferred payments are a huge thing in the insurance industry. So he brought that wow. knowledge to the to the, to the sports and entertainment industry. Yep. Wow. I, so that's, that's I, why we celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day every July 1st. <laughs> I learned to get me an agent like Dennis Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's what I learned. <laughs> yep. Oh, my gosh. Man. That's a cool one, right? That's a cool That's one. That's a cool... I like that one. I like that one a lot. I, I feel kind of bad because mine is not as cohesive of a story. It's more of like a collection of fun facts around a central theme. That's fine. But that's okay. Sometimes that's what we get when we do this. So, mm-hmm. man, I'm still just like, shit. I can't I mean, believe you, that. You wish it was you, right? Everybody's like, damn, I want to get paid 1.19 million to not do shit. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> just yep. collect a check, dude. Just collect a check. Yeah, plus like, the 500000 or whatever he gets from the Orioles. Wow. I mean, it's like it's like literally a dream come true. It's like, yeah, like, all right, yeah. like one point one point seven million dollars just to literally wow. not do anything. Like, do whatever wow. you want. You can do whatever you want and make $1.79 million a year. Shall we move on to theater well yes but i want to just give bobby bonilla a little bit of credit and i just want to see what his foundation's about i just want to oh see if he's using <laughs> a little bit of the money I'm i just want to i just want to see if there's some redemption for bobby bonilla and i want to see if if he's doing anything with his his earnings at least like the Orioles money he could donate that shit every year but uh yeah that's um, not I can't find any evidence so I don't know sucks. maybe it's not public record I'll give him the benefit of the doubt but dang it I'm not <laughs> I know but those are oh my those God. are different outlooks hi <laughs> I'm a pessimist hi I'm an um, optimist yeah oh my gosh though wow that's I like that story. That's a solid 
I now I know it's Bobby Bonita Day. I could use that in future social media jobs and just Absolutely. be like, did you it's know? Well, it's well known. I mean, it's really well known. Like not among the, among <laughs> among the made. Well, yeah, you're not a part of the the baseball enthusiast yeah. community, so you know. So if I like went down to Seth and was like, hey, what's Bobby Bonita Day? You think you know I, it? He, oh, I'm sure Seth would know okay. what it is. Okay, well, John Michael, Transition. do you know what a ghost light is? um no not a dang clue the actual technical term but i will say that what popped in my head was like it was literally just a ghost like floating across the stage like (laughs) (laughs) like in a play that'd be kind of cool in like a theater it's like like phantom of the opera it's gotta have ghost light and phantom of the opera right uh that's not it but we are going to talk about phantom of the opera is there Uh, a ghost light in phantom of the opera Whatever Joe Michael, it is, Joe Michael, you no, that's not. Yes you're or not no. Even like, no, it's a yes or no not, question. That's not. So no, the answer is no. Ah, oh, bummer. Because the Phantom okay. of the Opera is not in a theater anymore, and a ghost light has absolutely nothing to do with the show itself, and has to do with the actual physical space of a theater. All right. So, okay. a ghost light is a light that is left on when the rest of the theater is dark. And it's usually just a light bulb on a pole. In the olden days, it used to be like in gaslit theaters. Um, they used to dim the light to release the pressure on the valves for the gas valves. So, um, so theaters that said that they were open, but they weren't actually open. No, no, gaslit, no, no. When like it theaters, closes, gaslit. No, 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 <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> That took me way too long. I was like, she's going to get it. I was like, she's good. I'm going to wait. Like, I'm just going to wait. Like, what? Like, yep. Okay. It's left on in theaters. That... When they're like dark, right? Like when it closes yeah. down for the night, the show's over. The crew's gone home. Everybody's gone The ghost home. light yeah. remains on. So it's technically, um, it's also known as the equity lamp or equity light uh, because it is a safety issue where they put it at the edge of the stage so that even in the dark, you can see where the pit is. So you don't fall into the orchestra pit if you're wandering around the theater and it's dark out. And the Actors' Equity Association has required it in all equity theaters that you need to have a ghost light so that people don't trip off your stage and die if it's dark. That's a good thing. Yeah. So the like I said, the origins of the ghost light are a couple fold of <laughs> that... <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. I have to interject. Um, when you just said ghost light again, I just thought of cars and mater. The ghost light. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely not that. Um, right. So then, yeah. so the other thought is that, like, in the early days of theater, a burglar tried to come and steal something from a theater, but he tripped into the pit because he couldn't see it because it was dark. And then he sued the theater. <laughs> that's not anyone, didn't he? Anyone, didn't he? I don't know. That's not corroborated. It's just myth. Ugh. The other side of it has to do with ghosts in theaters. So I want to talk about haunted theaters and ghosts because some people believe that the ghost light is to ward ghosts away from the stage so they don't mess with the new with the production that's on stage they don't mess with the set they don't do anything because the theory is john michael that every single theater has a ghost (laughs) okay (laughs) every single theater every single one has a ghost has a ghost that's the that's the whole theory behind it this is like common yeah. belief among ghost the theater, theater community. My college theater. Yeah. I'm going to go through and I'm going to list some some ghost stories from theaters. 
But so okay, I'm, the I'm other interested people, in other, these anecdotes. I'm interested. Right. There's there's other people that believe that the ghost light is left on so that the ghosts can perform and that ghosts can play with the show and stuff so wow. that they don't feel mischievous or left out and they can play with it. And I this like idea it. of like ghosts participating in theater has been around for a long ass time. Ghosts in theater have been, it's a thing. I mean, Hamlet starts off with a ghost coming on stage. Like it's totally a thing. And so theaters themselves, physical theaters have adopted it. Like the palace theater in London actually has two seats that are permanently bolted open. Right. So, you know, theater seats, they flip the, the bottom of the uh-huh. seat flips down. They're permanently bolted open to provide theater seating for ghosts. They're not sold. They're not there. So the so the ghosts can sit and watch the show at the Palace Theater in London, which is super cool. Like I said, every theater has a ghost. My college theater had a ghost that would repeatedly hang himself, was the theory. It used to be a church and because the theater was built on with the the theater space used to be the chapel at my college. So they had a man who had supposedly hung himself in the church. And when it got transformed to the theater up in the rafters of the theater, some kids would see a man hung there swinging, <laughs> or you could hear the creaking of the rope was the other thing that they would say. Did, so like, did this you a- ever experience any of those things? No, dude. And my theater actually never had a ghost light. That wasn't a thing. So I actually was known for breaking into the, not known. I didn't tell anybody. I think the only person I ever told was Seth. Is that <laughs> well, you're exposing I would often, yourself now. So if they're whatever, I've been, I've, it's been, I'm 10 years out of college. It's totally fine. But <laughs> they're like, the, we're coming. I after. used to break into the theater. Well, because once I got locked in the theater, that was the scariest time was I got locked in the theater when I was a freshman by a bunch of seniors as a, really awful prank and that scared the shit out of me because i couldn't get out but then from that moment on i had to i had sworn to myself that i was going to learn every single inch of that theater so that i could always get out again so a lot of times i snuck in to the theater at some point i also had keys to the back door i don't remember how that happened but whatever and i would sneak in there when i needed like a reprieve from roommates or school or something and i just would sit in the dark theater and it was one of the most calming things or i'd put in my headphones and i go run around the stage pretending that i was in whatever show was in my headphones um but no i never had any ghostly i've never had any ghostly things there but there's this weird reverence that comes with being in a new theater space or being in a theater space alone like that that you just know ghosts are there even when i was in college and doing that and in any theater i've worked at i'm just you kind of have this weird reverence towards the ghosts that live in the theaters i want to go through and talk about some of the theaters that have ghosts in them one of which because you mentioned the phantom of the opera uh the phantom of the opera is set actually in a real opera house in paris called the i'm sorry i don't speak french so palace garn Garnies? Garnice? It's a Pelis Garnis. Yeah, that that sounds right. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So that was the inspiration for Phantom of the Opera, which was a novel first. And it's in Paris, France. They used to hang horseshoes actually over the stage entrances for when you would go on and off stage to hold the the good luck and not have the ghosts do anything to you. But there they did talk about a phantom who had only half a face roaming the halls. And the there's a very famous chandelier scene where it falls and kills a bunch of people uh-huh. in the opera that actually happened in the opera house. And so he took some of those things and made the Phantom of the Opera, which then became the musical, The Phantom of the Opera one of the uh-huh. lo- the longest running show in Broadway history. Okay, so, cool. So it started as like a novel and then they had like these occurrences happen in this theater. No, 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 no. The-, the occurrences happened before the novel. He wrote the novel. 
Oh, based upon the occurrences. And then that mm-hmm. became the musical that like ran on Broadway for like 30 years or something like that. Way longer than that, but yeah. Was it um, still on? Are they still doing Phantom of the Opera? No, they recently closed it, actually. That was okay. it was a big historical thing because COVID was part of the reason that it got shut down. Yeah. They're like, um, it's, time. it's time. Yeah. Speaking of COVID, actually, there was a big movement with ghost lights in COVID because mm-hmm. there were lots of images of like theaters leaving on their ghost lights and like the longest that their ghost light had been kept on. COVID was such a uniting time for a lot of theater artists, even though we were all separate. And ghost light was kind of a theme underneath that. I'm going to go through a couple more theaters that are haunted and give you some more ghost stories. Whether they're true or not, I have no idea. Give me the ghost story. So there's a really famous one in the New Amsterdam Theater named Olive Thomas. And Olive Thomas was a Ziegfeld Folly. And she was a Broadway chorus girl. So she actually, she got married to an abusive husband. It wasn't a great situation for her. She was very young. And he kind of took her away from performing. But she always longed to go back to it. Um, And he actually took her to Paris where she hated her life away from the theater and hated him so much she actually OD'd. And it's said that she came back to the new Amsterdam theater where she wanders the halls in a a green beaded dress holding a bottle, which is the bottle she used to OD herself with. Um, There's actually at the new Amsterdam theater a picture of Olive at the entrance so that workers can greet her because they say that she haunts that theater and curses or blesses different shows. And people have... They're like, please don't curse this one. Like, yeah, no, please. It's true. Some people have heard tap dancing, which the part was one of the things Zigfield Follies were known for. They've heard tap dancing when no one's around. This ghost story of Olive started so quickly after her death, two days after she was known to have died. People were seeing her backstage at the New Amsterdam. They were like, oh, I ran into Olive. And they were like, wait a second, did you hear Olive's dead? Yeah. Yeah, When you get like multiple accounts where people are like, oh, this happened, this happened. I'm like, yeah, like, I believe that. There was actually a female Mm -hmm. composer who was doing a show, a female female conductor, excuse me, who was doing a show in New Amsterdam and she was one of the first female conductors in in that theater to perform. And she actually like reached out to Olive and was like, hey, Hope you're good that I'm here. Just want you to know I'm like practicing, but it was just her in the theater and the lights, ghost lights flickered as if she was winking at her. That's what the uh, conductor said. So yeah, that one, that you wow. just looked at me with like big ass eyes. Like, Crazy, wow. right? Well, it's just like, it's, it's so, I, I mean, the thought that I had, it came is like, you know, this, this lady's olive spirit, like just was yeah. so, you know, because that's the big thing about ghosts, right? Is that like they're sticking around, their spirits stick around on Earth because they have like the unfinished business or they have like things that they were attached to that they can't that's that the they idea. haven't let go of, right? And so it's like this theater, because she, she didn't get closure with it, like now she's hanging around still participating, having influence in it. Like her spirit is still within the theater. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I believe that. It's wild. So there's a couple others. The Palace Theater in New York uh, City. This one is actually very heavily disputed. There was an acrobat, Louis Bosolino, who attempted to walk on a tightrope in the theater without a safety net as a part of an act. Mm. And he fell and died. There are differing accounts on whether or not he actually died because some people say this was in the 1950s. And some people are like, no, he just fell and hurt himself really bad. But other people say he died. And some people have said that they've seen him swinging from the rafters and other people have heard a shriek as if someone is falling in the back of the theater. 
I know, right? Chilling. Chill. Um, some other ones include um, in the Lycum Theater, oldest continuously running theater on Broadway that Bob Fosse is actually said to have haunted there, which Bob Fosse was, a, we'll, we'll do an episode on Bob Fosse, was a very famous director choreographer who like changed the nature of theater. When you see Chicago and people do like jazz hands and that kind of choreography, oh, he's like responsible for that. Thing, yeah. uh-huh. Spread yep, out that with whole the thing. hands from center yep. to out. That's okay. all Bob Bossy. This actually specifically happened when Cheetah Rivera was doing a show there. And in 2016, believe it or not, Cheetah Rivera had worked with Bob Bossy. And so he, she thought he was there blessing her show. They saw cigarette smoke coming from the balcony, which was Bob Bossy's favorite seats. They also heard a lot of strange noises and applause that seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, another basic one. I'm getting to some of the bigger juicy ones in a minute here. But another one is at the Imperial on Broadway. Billy Elliot which is the show that Elton John did and that Tom Holland was actually in. Yeah, I thought of him actually when you said that. I was like, oh yeah, that was Tom Holland, right? When he was a kid. Didn't they have three boys that play like rotated three? Yeah, it's actually, they're the youngest uh, people to ever win Best Actor at the Tonys and the only people to ever share the award. That's so uh, For the same role, which is pretty cool. They were like 14 and 15 and I was like, God, what am I doing with my life? Tom Holland didn't win the Tony. You're doing you, boo. You're doing you, boo. Tom Holland did not win the Tony because it was not the American version. He was in London West End, uh, Mm. which is different. But some of the girls, some of the chorus girls in that show uh, and some of the younger actresses when they were in the girls' dressing room, their doors would open and close uh, with nobody's knowledge. Uh, and they didn't know why when they were like specifically doing their homework and they didn't know who this ghost was. So they just named him Fred. <laughs> he has no like story. It. That's just uh, it. Okay, He's cool. Fred, just the Fred. Ghost. He's just interested in homework. Just trying to see what they're studying. Just trying yep. to see what they're learning. Yeah, essentially. Fred, Fred might have not been able to take math or something. He's like, what's that? What's that? Subject? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So then cool. I have two more theaters to tell you there's the Belasco which actually is said to be haunted by David Belasco himself this was David Belasco died in 1931 he was called the Bishop of Broadway and he commissioned that particular theater to be built that's his namesake Um, And it says that he still runs the halls. People have said that they have had interactions with him complimenting their show, their work. There's lots of cold spells in different places of the building, especially the general manager's office. And I'm like, you just check your AC, but okay. (laughs) They, so <laughs> the, actually, like, it, it is haunted as hell. And then like the, the, the AC guy comes and he's like, no, like you just have like a leaking vent like right over here. Like, yeah. <laughs> so some people have talked to him. They say they still see him roaming around and wishing people good shows and stuff. And people say that if you see him, your show is blessed there. And he actually eat, breathed, slept that theater so much so that he actually had a home apartment above the theater, that that building that he was commissioned. There were times where there's been like two or three reported incidences where there have where general manager or custodian or somebody's late late night in the theater and they'll be underneath the apartment and they'll hear 1920s music and parties as if someone's like throwing a rager from the 1920s at that point and they call the police thinking that it's been broken into the police show up the door's locked and nothing's been disturbed wild yeah so they think he's still there running his theater from behind the scenes um actually so much so that right that when dracula was in um the the Belasco Theater, um, they celebrated David Belasco's 150th birthday, even like singing him happy birthday and having cake. <laughs> <laughs> so then, though, the most haunted theater, as it Ooh, has been yeah. named, nice. is the Roy- is Theater Royale 
on Drury Lane in London. And this is one that has a lot of ghosts that it has been said are there. And there's haunted, there's ghosts, like I said, in every theater. I'm talking like my college that was in Wisconsin. There's, you know, like Edinburgh Playhouse talks about an ex-stagehand right. that died in Wander the Halls. Like this is, I'm just doing some like big name These theater These are the ones. well-renowned ones. Yeah, ones but like- everybody, I, every, I, Most people in the theater community would know about just like Bobby Bonilla. Right. And so you would think that even in there, like even in your local town, I'm sure that like you could go on a ghost tour and you'll run by a theater in something or another. I know Chicago has a couple. I'm just doing some kind of like big name international ones that mm-hmm. are well-known stories. So the Royal, uh, the Theater Royale in Drury Lane has um, a, a couple of ghosts, like I said. One is Charles McAlino, who was an Irish actor there who actually a lot of killed these names. A-, a lot of these names in and like, oh, like, you know, Bellazzo or like... Italians. <laughs> um, yeah, like what? Well, you said he was Irish. Yeah, I don't know. This guy's Uh, Irish. He's an Irish actor who he killed another actor by stabbing him in an eye over a wig dispute. mm -hmm. Um, And it says healthy, healthy. Yeah, yeah, it said that he was cursed to roam the halls of the Theater Royale for his crimes because that actor died in the theater. And then there was an actor. His his stage name was Dan Leno. I did not write down what his real name was. My bad. Another Um, he died from unknown causes, but. He worked at Theater Royale a lot, and he was really known for like having this really exacerbated lavender perfume that he would wear. And so his things are not visual from people. It's all smells. And he's known for the smell of lavender and then people getting pushed off the stage. So it's happened to people where they smell lavender randomly and then they'll (laughs) fall off the stage. And then, you know, it's coming. Yep. Uh, you're like lavender oh shit yeah uh, <laughs> then there's also the man in gray doesn't have a name just the man in gray he is known Fred for being in Jr. like this he resides in the upper circle of the theater which is like a, a section of a theater it's kind of like a balcony or a mezzanine and he's always in a writing coat and a hat and he will compliment various directors have said that they have run into this man, this old-fashioned man who compliments their show at dress rehearsal. And if he does, then it's a success. And other directors have come and said, like, I've never seen that. And then their show bombs. Um, <laughs> uh, the so many, so many omens. Right? So then the last one is uh, Joseph Grimaldi, who was a well-known uh, actor clown in the theater who performed in the theater royale for a long time. And he was really famous for a while, but then his style of theater got worn out. He got sick and there was a lot of different things. His agent, he really couldn't get back up on his feet again. And so he was homeless and he died alone um, very sadly. And it says that he, Joseph Grimaldi actually runs the halls of the theater royale because it was the happiest time in his life. And he's known actually for like helping staff find things. Like Mm. if people have lost something, it'll like roll somewhere or like, He'll change TV channels. He'll He's just like, there to help. He's like, I love this. Yeah, play. but like, because it just... was like one of the happiest times of his life. That's cool. And so that's what he is known for there. That's a lot of fucking ghosts around the Theater Royale. And I'm like, they're going to get into a um, brawl someday, I'm sure. But the thing I want to end on. Ghost brawl. Because that's the ghost brawl. Because that's like one of the last things. Just because it's a fun thing to talk about and and. I know that we had done an episode on superstitions and there are a lot of superstitions in the theater. So many. And one of these days I will do an episode where it's not so close to your baseball superstitions one. But I wanted to talk about the ghosts because it's this hard thing to explain because I don't believe in ghosts. I never have. 
Mm. I love ghosts and find them fascinating. And I've written a lot of plays about it. And I find ghosts, I find the concept really interesting. I love playing with the idea of ghosts on stage. And, you know, I think it's a very interesting concept we have. But do I believe in it? No. Mm-hmm. And yet, someone like me who grew up in the theater, who still loves going to the theater, has this weird respect for the spaces of it, all the space that a theater is and encompasses. And I think I found this quote from Professor Monks, uh, who teaches theater studies at uh, Queen Mary University in London. And I thought it was like the most poignant thing about why, even for those of us who don't necessarily believe in ghosts, still there's a reverence and a a, a respect that comes with it. And then for those that do, you know, are we more influential as artists or what? And and so sh- this professor monk said, theater is a ghostly experience. If you think about it, it's concerned with the unearthing of tasks that might be 2000 years old and an experience that comes back night after night, but which also disappears in front of your eyes as it does. So sounds pretty ghostly to me. And that was the best way I'd ever heard it explained to me. Um, When you think about the layers of history within a theater, of how many shows have come and gone, how many actors, how many performances, how many tears, how many laughs have occurred in that building. And so I think that the ghosts, while they bring great stories, it's not necessarily about the ghost stories themselves or the ghost light warding things or protecting. It's this idea of like protecting the sacred space that is a physical theater because it's unlike anything else in this world that's what i take from it and that was less comedy and more philosophical but i don't give a flying fuck so yeah (laughs) i love it's it's uh it's dynamic you're getting a dynamic podcast here you're getting a dynamic episode here so what you learned john michael i learned i learned what a ghost light is (laughs) like it literally is just like that singular light that gets left on and it has multiple reasons. It's for safety, actually. It's for a little bit of that superstition, you know, for the yeah, ghosts. Yeah, supernatural element, yeah. Supernatural elements. I learned that I should look out for the smell of lavender. Yeah, no shit, theater. right? I, I really should just watch my back and, like, I, you know, if I, You're like, on stage. On if stage. I'm the director, if I'm, like, the guy running that show, I'm just, like, nobody's allowed to wear lavender perfume at all. Like, like... <laughs> no lavender stuff. Take a different one. No essential oils. Like, none. Like, get it. Get it out of here. Like, I want to know when I'm going to get pushed off the freaking stage. I don't need, like, you know, Jenny coming in here wearing her new lavender perfume she got for her birthday. And, and then, Dan you know, Leno is going to push me then, off the stage. Yeah. And then I'm all like on edge, you know, but, you know, Leno's not there because it's not his lavender. So I want to know, make nice. sure it's Leno's lavender for another and alliteration. Another alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right. That's, that's what I learned. That was pretty cool. I think we learned some great things today, John Michael. What'd you learn, McKaylee? What did you learn? I already told you. I learned to have an agent. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, like Dennis Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. Smart, smart way to do I know. it. Smart way um, to do it. Awesome. Well, we hope you learned something. I'm Kales. <laughs> I'm John Michael. And we will talk to y'all next time. I don't think yeah. we came up with an outro. <laughs> have a lovely evening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Goodbye.